Hey, Dan, are you there? Yes, I am. Hang on. We're just about ready to start. Cool. Well, there you go, folks. It's a beautiful day in Franklin, Tennessee. Hope it is where you are as well. Welcome into our Tuesday night brainstorming call. Every Tuesday night, we match up with some of the leaders in the 48days.net community, see what they're doing, see their unique area of expertise, and how we can all learn from it. So we got an exciting one on tap tonight. Uh, I'm excited about it. I got a whole lot of questions for our guest tonight. We're going to be joined right here by Ryan Waterback. Ryan, welcome into the call tonight. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure to hey. be here. <laughs> well, I'm looking looking forward to this. Believe me, uh, you've got a a group in the 48 Days .net community called Earning on eBay, Amazon, and Etsy. So those of you who are listening, get ready. We're going to unpack some information here about how you can take advantage of making money on somebody else's infrastructure. I mean, I don't know the easier way to plug into the biggest retailing system in the world, Amazon, than to just have a little idea, test it out. You don't need to rent a building. You don't need to buy inventory. There's a whole lot of things you don't need to do, and yet you can legitimately be in business. So, uh, Ryan, I've got just a little bit of information about what you have done to kind of position yourself in this space. Um, I'm going to go back here to where my notes were on that to see what you told us here. Well, just tell us a little bit about your own history in this space, how you got interested, how you got started, and what you're doing now. Okay. Um, well, I got started about 12 years ago. I was wandering through a Goodwill store. I saw some used printers on the back wall and thought, I bet I could sell those and make some money. So I, I picked up a couple of them, five bucks a piece, threw them up on eBay, and and those first couple sold for about 30 bucks. And I went, okay, well, that's not bad. <laughs> Let's do it again. <laughs> um, and so a couple times a week, I was showing up at, at various thrift stores around town looking at electronics that um, you know plug in, they turn on, were in, in good shape. I'd take them home, test them. Throw them on eBay, <laughs> wait a week for the auction to end, and ship them out. Um, so I, I did that for a few years, and uh, the, the market kind of changed on them. I didn't change fast enough, and I kind of got out of it for a couple of years. And in 2011, I the, the bug kind of <laughs> got me again. Um, only this time I started going after um, wholesale. I, there were some products invented by um, you know, people in their garages that I, I found through message boards, you know, uh, hobbies of mine. And I, I bought the products. I used the products. I thought they were good. Sent an email and said, hey, do you sell wholesale? Well, can you give me some pricing? They went, absolutely. Um, and so I started with, with one of these products. I bought one case of 24 units for $265. And I've turned that over the last couple of years into a business that consistently 
sells between nine and eleven thousand dollars a month part time. <laughs> awesome. Golly. So that's what you're doing currently. You've got things you're still doing that model. You're buying things wholesale and then just putting them up on on eBay and making um, between so what what I'm doing now, I'm I'm doing wholesale. I'm also um doing something called retail arbitrage, which is fancy words, but it's basically just taking advantage of inefficient markets where um you'll have products that are available regionally, but people are interested in them outside of the region. Um for example, in um you know, touristy areas there will be products that are available you know right there and people go on vacation they try it out they go this is great they get back home they want it again and can't find it well that's where i come in <laughs> i find those products i put them on ebay and amazon and and people buy them so just oh, just like filling just filling markets <laughs> I knew a 13-year-old kid here a couple of years ago who used to have his mom drive him around on Saturdays to go to garage sales and pick up anything related to Disney. And just like you're talking about, there are parts of the world where they don't have easy access to Disney stores. And he made, as a 13-year-old, he was making about $2,000 a month toward his college fund just from selling his little Disney things online. So there's a lot of now. I want to introduce people to a, a unique resource that you already put up for us, and thank you so much for that. If you just yeah. go to Ryan Webb, it's R A U N W E B dot com slash forty eight days. You're going to see there a resource, and I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions about some of the things that you've got on here. But one of the first ones was, in fact, arbitrage which you already explained it. It's just a way to take advantage of best prices in a particular area and repackage it somewhere else. A modification of that is what another 48days.net member is doing, where he buys cameras on eBay in bulk. So he'll buy 20, 30 at a time, and then where somebody's just liquidating last year's inventory or whatever, and then he positions them very nicely with photos and all on Amazon, and he makes a very nice six-figure income doing just that, just with cameras. Those kind of ideas are out there, and sometimes, you know, and everybody, it's one of those, you slap your forehead and think, well, why didn't I think of that? Well, a lot of it is just getting started. You know, what, what do you tell somebody when they say, well, gee, how can I do what you're doing? <laughs> the, the best thing to do, is pull out your smartphone, Android or, or Apple iOS, download either the free Amazon seller app or the eBay app or both, and just go around your house, scan barcodes, and just see what, what things are selling for. It'll, it'll just use the camera right on your phone, hold it up in front of the, of the barcode, uh, you know, the UPC code, on products in your pantry or uh, you know, books on the shelf and just get an idea of the value of what you have in your house 
and you, you'll be surprised. It's probably a few hundred bucks <laughs> just sitting there that that you can take advantage of, and you know, sort of get a bit of seed money and get a bit of of actual experience. Yeah. Now, I've also known a whole bunch of people who are using the uh, FBA program through Amazon. Can you explain to our listeners how that works? Absolutely. Um, FBA is is fulfilled by Amazon. It's a program that they offer that allows people like us <laughs> to send product directly into an Amazon warehouse. Um, and then it, it'll sit there un, until it sells. And then Amazon takes care of shipping it to the customer. They take care of customer service. If there's an issue, it needs to be returned, all that fun stuff. Um, and basically, you get to take advantage of Amazon's incredible UPS shipping discount to send stuff into them. Um, and so basically, you, you get together a bunch of a bunch of products. It can be the same product. It can be a whole bunch of different products. They'll all go in a box or two, get sent to an Amazon warehouse, and at that point, you're done. They take care of selling. They take care of customer service. They take care of shipping. Um, it also allows you the benefit of selling product to, to Prime members, which is an annual membership that gives uh, it gives members free two-day shipping. If you're not using that program, you're not eligible. <laughs> so as you a can, buyer or a seller? You mean you can't use the FBA program as a seller? If well, you're not you, using... basically, you don't as, – as the seller – if your product is in an Amazon warehouse um, and a customer buys that product from you, since it's oh, yeah. being fulfilled by Amazon, they they can take advantage or they can make sure it gets to you in, in two days with free shipping. If, if you're, you're an Amazon Prime member. Correct. Okay. All right. And uh, personally, I can imagine not being a member of Amazon Prime. Once you start, you're hooked. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, I I have to be costing them money. <laughs> I I can't understand it. And you know, I can buy. I mean, I just bought two sound cards. I mean, these are things a little bigger than your thumbnail. Two of those, boom! Next day they're here, and they pay for that shipping. You know, absolutely free to me. Yeah, I wear them out on Amazon Prime. Love it, love it, love it. Now, what you just described, the FBA program fulfillment by Amazon. And I, I, it is such a convenient way for anybody to be in business. Mm-hmm. Now I know that uh, Sutton Parks, another .NET you know member, is very active. He comes over here. I I have a big bookcase here at the sanctuary, at our place that I keep stocked with books because lots of people send me books. Publishers send me books. And I you know, scan those, of course, reading lots of them, but I'm constantly putting them out there so that anyone that comes to our live events here, those are just free for the taking. So I usually, you know, at any given time, probably have a couple hundred books out there. Well, Sutton will pop in here, and certainly with my blessing, and he'll scan those. And he'll say, oh, wow, here's a book that's selling for 10 bucks. 
And so he'll take that, ship it to them, and, you know, gets his percentage when that sells. Now, he does the same thing in going to Goodwill, Salvation Army, guard sales and all that, where he may have to pay a quarter here and there, but he can find out instantly by using the downloadable app what that product is selling for, not just books, but other things as well. Um, I think it's just an amazing opportunity for the average person on the street to start generating, like you said, maybe a little bit of money, but then if you get serious about it and really focused on a particular niche, it can ramp up into some pretty significant money. Now, do you personally just stick with uh, electronic items? Um, I don't. I actually have expanded a lot. My my number one sales category is grocery items. Really? It's about half half of my sales, um, both in dollars and in units, is grocery items. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> So these are things that you're buying as a distributor from somewhere and simply putting on, putting up for resale. Yep. That's amazing. Now I'm not, you know, I, I buy a whole lot of things on Amazon, but I certainly have not bought groceries there. Of course, maybe the convenience of where we are has something to do with that. I don't know. I just wouldn't think about that as a viable place for groceries, but I can see that depending on where you live, it might be. Yeah. I mean, a, just a, a generic example is, you know, there, there's coffee shops, you know, neighborhood coffee shops all around the country that people are raving fans of that coffee. Well, say they move, you know, they get a job transfer or something. They can't get that anymore. Well, all of a sudden, there's a market for that coffee. <laughs> you know, just... Work out a deal with with that coffee shop. If they if they sell it, you know, by the pound, they're you know they're roasted beans or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, make a deal. Put it up there, and and offer it to to a larger audience. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the areas that I understand is books, and we have really there's four different levels of book sales that we have here, one being my own books, and I have buyback agreements with our publishers, so we sell a lot of my own books. But then we also, when people ask me about books that I recommend, certainly we have a pretty comprehensive reading list, and those books that I recommend are all hyperlinked through Amazon, so I get an affiliate fee on those. The next level is where I go to the publishers directly and say, I'd like to have 200 copies of that. They say, sure, you know, 50% off retail is real typical, right out of the gate, no questions asked, no minimums, no anything. Those, though, I do have to purchase and have an inventory, but we have to then ship them. But it's at a deep discount. What I really look for are books that are in liquidation, and there's millions of them out there that are. We find books that are in the same space as the books that I write, having to do about finding meaningful work, finding your purpose, passion, or starting a business. We buy those, and it's not uncommon, like uh, a book, like there was a book titled How to Make Use of a Useless Degree. Well, it was a $14.95 book, but I was buying it through liquidation for $1.30 and bought everything I could get my hands on. We sold that at $8. So we would tell people this is a $14.95 book. You can get it today because of the other products you're ordering for only $8. But I was getting the spread between $1.32 and the $8, which is more than I you know, typically am going to make in my own books. 
So again, if you if you focus, and I like to focus in on a particular area where you become very knowledgeable about that particular area. And it could be baseball cards, or it could be silver, it could be cameras, it could be electronic things, you know, last year's models, it can be a whole bunch of things. And then find that if you go deep in that one area, you can really develop a real business. Would you recommend that as well, Ryan, or do you see an advantage in just having a widespread of things? Um, I will <laughs> say that there's definitely an advantage to niche, uh, to niche knowledge. Um, on Amazon, it's a bit less important because sellers are, are more or less anonymous. Um, when people go to Amazon to buy, and, and, you know, most of them sort of feel like they're just buying from Amazon, even though it's a, a third party seller. Um, however, eBay and Etsy are both great places to, to really focus on a niche. Um, with Etsy, people are, are really looking for that specific connection with a particular uh, person or brand, you know, style of product. You can really make a connection there. Um, and eBay, interesting thing about eBay is if a few years ago they revamped their search engine. Um, and the, the current the current version is called Cassini. Well, one one thing about that is that if your products that you're selling on eBay are all generally related, you tend to get better search results. So th there's all sorts of different things that it's looking for in, in its algorithm. Um, things like, you know, has has the item sold recently uh, have people placed or placed the best offer um, offers on it um, ask questions stuff like that any any interaction about a product uh, shows that there's interest in the product and that helps but also selling several different things that are the same general topic um, say you focus on selling lamps, your your lamps will show up higher generally in eBay's search listings than if you were selling one lamp and a bunch of comic books. For <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. So it makes perfect sense. Kind of interesting. Just like having a real store, if you have things that are right. related, it can give right. you deeper penetration in that particular arena. Now, again, we're, we're talking about some of the resources on, on Ryan's uh, resource sheet that he was kind enough to put together for our listeners. So if you go to R-A-U-N-W-E-B.com slash 48 days, you'll see the resource sheet that we're referring to, a resource sheet that you can pull up. It's got live links in there where you can get a whole lot of education about how to do what we're talking about here tonight. And I did put that link as a live link over in the chat that's going on as well that Alan Jackson is hosting over there in 48days.net. So you can jump in there. And if you got a question for Ryan, you know, shoot that in. We've got some coming in that we're going to get to here in a little bit. But just put that in either place that you're looking where you're listening to us live. Go ahead and put your questions in there and we'll help 
have him answer those as many as we can get through to get you up and running here. Now, some of the other things that you've got here that are Amazon selling resources, I love these things you've got, like Scanner Monkey. Tell us a little bit about that. Say it's a catalog of items to be on the lookout for. Yeah, so Scanner Monkey, they're actually just celebrating their one-year anniversary this week. Um, It's a... It's it's a Facebook group and a website where people who are out in stores and they find something that they've never seen before or that's just kind of unique that's selling for a lot of money <laughs> compared to you know, what you can buy it for in that store. They'll mm-hmm. they'll post it up on on the Facebook group. It's a, a private membership group and say, hey, look, I just found. You know, this, um, this Barbie doll and, and it's, you know, it's at, at Target and it's $8 and it's selling on Amazon for 45. See if you can find it. And so there, there's value right there in those specific items, but the real value is opening your mind up to other, um, types of products that you wouldn't think of normally um one thing that i that i sell a ton of is toothpaste oh my gosh are you serious absolutely why would someone you know buy toothpaste online when it's when it's at walgreens you know on the next block there's all all kinds of reasons (laughs) um what if what if you're homebound what if you you have way more money than you have time. What if you have what if you have a need for a lot of it and and there's not that much on the shelf at any local store? Um, I I got I got feedback a couple of months ago on Amazon for one particular type of toothpaste, and this lady she lives in New York City, she was absolutely thrilled that she was able to buy it, it was a three pack of a, of a kid's toothpaste for $16. She said if I get this here it's $15 a tube. Oh, I was yes. getting them for, for $2.50 a tube. Oh. Huh. You know, that's that, that's market inefficiency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the value of scanner monkey opening your mind up to to just these other things that you go, there is no way that you can make money online. So wow. <laughs> now, one of the things that, that we look at, which we look at liquidations because of the books, but there are often other items there. I mean, there may be where you have 5,000 belts that are just overstocked, and you can buy them for, you know, 10 cents a piece. I mean, those are opportunities, are they not, to buy something out of deep, deep liquidation like that and then put them up one at a time on Amazon or eBay? Which is better for an item like that, incidentally, Amazon or eBay? That's probably better for eBay, um, especially if if each of those belts is unique or or you have several different styles in that collection. Mm-hmm. It, it's probably going. It's probably going to be easier to get started. First of all, on eBay, um, mm-hmm. because there's no restrictions on selling that type of item, 
And on Amazon, you actually have to be approved to sell clothing items. And clothing is one of the hardest ones to get approved for. But that's beside the point. It can be done. Um, And on eBay, you have the opportunity to create your own listing that's unique to yourself. Um, You can actually play you know, your service aspect of it, you know, much more so than you can on Amazon, where you're essentially sharing a listing with everyone else that's selling that same item, mm-hmm. which is an interesting uh, an interesting difference between the two. So eBay, oh. each, each item that you sell, you, you are the owner of your listing. On Amazon, Amazon's the owner of the listing. Interesting. Okay, we got a question here from Mike. He said, I scanned toothpaste, and the Amazon seller app said it was a restricted item that I could not sell. How did you get past that? Excellent question. So a few months ago, Amazon decided to restrict a a few categories. Or they didn't restrict them. They made them gated. That's that's their term. one of those is grocery, one is health and personal care, one is beauty. Basically what that means is if you weren't selling them prior to that date, you have to get approval from Amazon. And it's just, there's an application, they ask for um, basic information about your business. They ask for um, copies of invoices make sure that you're getting legitimate product. And if that's the case, generally they'll let you in. Um, okay. But, but that's an excellent, excellent point. They, they are gated categories now, as oh. of uh, maybe three months ago. Um, All right. So I, I was grandfathered in because I was selling it already, but it's, it's just a hurdle. It's not, it's not a brick wall. <laughs> huh. Interesting. All right. Now, basically, go ahead. Can I say one more thing about that? The reason why Amazon is doing that is Amazon is so intensely focused on the on the customer experience that really uh, kind of they're not editing out sellers necessarily, but they they're they're basically raising the bar and saying it. You're you're going to have to jump in in order to get into this uh-huh. because I'm not I as Amazon am not going to put my name on on bad service. I'm not going to put my name mm-hmm. on bad product, and so I'm not going to let you seller take advantage of of me opening up my platform and ruining my name. Yeah, Makes so they're sense. they're just very uh, protective of their customers and they're very protective of their brand. All right. Now with both eBay and Amazon, there are lots of tutorials out there. You've got links to some of those in the resource sheet you put together. People can find those. So, and even if you don't know much about it, there are some pretty elementary tutorials that'll walk you right through and get you up and running. Now on eBay, you can sell, you know, there's lots and lots of odd things there and things out of junkyards. Can you sell used things on Amazon as well? I'm sorry, can you say that again? 
can can you sell used items on Amazon? Um. Yes and no. <laughs> there's oh. there are categories where they're allowed. Uh, there's categories where they are uh, highly restricted, and there's categories. Um, so you really kind of have to test the ones and just see see what, see what Amazon is allowing. It, general rule: if you have used products, eBay um, or possibly Etsy, if it's if it's old enough to vintage, those would be better platforms for used stuff. Okay. Um, All right. But your yeah. mileage may vary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're breaking up a little bit. Well, I hope it's a temporary problem with our Skype connections, perhaps. But uh, we're having a little trouble getting your clear, clear responses right now. Now, one of, one okay. of my favorite show, shows on TV, you know, late night, American Pickers. You know, where these guys, you know, go around the, the country, you know, finding just the oldest, beat upest kind of junk possible. But a lot of it is is motorcycle and car memorabilia kind of things. Now, I would think those would be pretty hot items for eBay, where you find an old gas pump or you find a hood emblem off a, you know, 1946 Pontiac that has that real distinctive swooping forward you know, are those, is it worth just going out and searching junkyards and out-of-the-way places for things where you may find something of unique value on eBay? There's there's definite opportunity. I would say that that's generally probably better for um, people with this with a certain level of expertise in that area. Um, like I couldn't, I couldn't just go out there and see something and go, "Ooh, I know that's going to be mine." But that's that's just not my, it's not my skill set. It's not, you know, within the realm of things that I know about. Mm-hmm. But if that's your interest, oh, there's there's probably a lot of opportunity. <laughs> I would think so. I mean, those are. The reason I'm attracted to those kind of things is because there's not a set value. It's not like you can just look it up somewhere and, right. well, that item costs $21. You know, if there's nothing comparable, then you have a chance to just kind of find out what the market really is. But old gasoline signs and street signs and automobile memorabilia, whether it's hubcaps or doorknobs, you know, I mean, those, those things – I know there's a lot of nostalgic value there, and it seems that would be a really exciting area to get into. I, that's something I would see that I would really have fun getting into, which bring, brings me to another question that I want you to address. I love searching for cars. Being a car guy, I mean, I've told Joanne repeatedly, I'm, I'm at my happiest when I'm in the hunt for a car. You know, helping somebody else find one or find a new driver for us, and I buy them and you know, then drive them for six months and get rid of them and start over again. But I love the process. And I probably, I don't know, I probably purchased 20 cars on eBay. And, and you know, I'm not talking about, you know, $500 junkers. I'm talking about nice cars that we drive. And people sometimes are shocked at that, that I would buy a car sight unseen. I can't drive it. Tell us. Can you, and I'll certainly jump in, but can you tell people 
why we can have that kind of confidence buying in that kind of a format, even a high ticket item? Absolutely. One word, reputation. Bingo. When, you when you're buying from, when you're buying on eBay or on Amazon or on Etsy, you have access as a potential buyer to feedback left for that seller. If their track record isn't good, don't buy from them. <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're looking for, for a car at, at the local used car lot down the street, you don't know their reputation other than they're still in business unless you have a relationship with them or with other people who have done business with them. Anything beyond that is hearsay. Yep. On, on eBay, look at the feedback. <laughs> It'll tell you. And, and, and people are protective of that. You know, no one wants negative feedback if they're oh, serious. Yeah, no it kidding. If they have any kind of history at all and want a future, that's critically important. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I can go to a, a used car dealer five miles from my house, which may seem, well, well gee, they're right here locally. I, they may have shafted six people last month. I have no way of knowing that. But on eBay, it's so transparent. They better keep their nose clean. And that's why I've purchased cars with confidence. I've never had a bad experience purchasing a car. And I've gotten cars, you know, from Phoenix and Houston and Atlanta. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. But, you know, I buy them from the south. I don't buy up north cars. But I, I've just never had a bad experience. Um, let's see, the car Joanne's driving right now, I did get on eBay of what I'm driving. I started there, but then bought it offline. But pretty essentially the same kind of process. Bought it from a dealer in Atlanta. But... I love that kind of process, and certainly I look at what buyer reviews are, look at their history, and then you can do Carfax in the car, so you get the history in the car, but I've just enjoyed the process greatly. Um, let me integrate some of the questions here, and again, if you got a question for Ryan, just shoot it on in. There, wherever you're seeing this or listening to this, you've got an opportunity to just share your question. Mike says, what sort of margins do you look for before you purchase a product for FBA? For example, if I use my, my Amazon seller app to scan something I find on clearance, how much do you want to see in the net proceeds column for Amazon Fulfilled before you buy it, taking into account your cost for shipping those pesky unforeseen fees? Thanks. Okay, good question. Um, that, that answer is going to vary um by seller my personal minimum threshold is after after my fees i want 30% ish um but my my goal is to turn stuff as fast as i can um so if i if i buy something today send it into amazon tomorrow and it sells in 2 weeks and i make 30% I'm thrilled. There are also people that are looking for, uh, they buy long tail items, some things that may not, they're, they're hard to find. They may not have a huge market, but the right person will pay a fair amount of money for that particular item. Um, 
and and a really good general example of those are books out of print books that that still have uh you know an applicable applicable message um textbooks that kind of thing they'll they'll many of them will keep some value but they're not going to sell every day so if you're if you're going for stuff that takes a while to sell you're going to want that that margin to be a lot higher um, so so my business is based on on stuff turning so i i cut it off at 30 percent. i would love it to be higher <laughs> yeah well that's a good benchmark to at least have that as, as a starting point now you addressed a little earlier an issue uh, that that i've dealt with and you can help us expand on it i personally am not interested in going to a yard sale and finding one book and going through the process of setting it up to resell where I've got that one book. I do what you mentioned, that is if you have a distributorship agreement with somebody, you don't have one tube of toothpaste you're going to sell. You have a, a large stock, at least access to a large quantity of that. So once you position it as one item, you can sell that again and again and again. That's right. what we do here. I'm not interested in having one book that I resell and make $3 on. I'm interested in having a book that we can make $3 on if that's the margin, but then we've got 200 of them here where once we put that up, we can fulfill 200 orders without having to go through the work again of doing the photographs and the verbiage and getting it, getting it up for sale. Address that a little bit. How do you... How do you justify or how do you build in the time required to get an item up where you may make three or four bucks? Um, that depends on the platform. If if you're selling on eBay, you definitely have to, or, or Etsy, you definitely have to take time into account because it's going to time to create a listing, take pictures, put it up. If you're selling on Amazon, and there's an existing listing, it's a couple minutes. Basically say, yeah, I want to sell this product. I want to sell it at this price. And I have five of them. Send them in. So it's a little bit different between platforms there. If if I can get two or three of an item that I'm going to make, you know, four or five bucks on a piece, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to do it themselves. I'm going to send them in with a bunch of other stuff so I can take advantage of the uh, discounts. But I'm not so concerned about it. If it's an eBay or an Etsy item, it's there better be a bunch, <laughs> or or it better yeah. be, or it better be a, a large uh, profit margin. Or I'm well, okay. All right. I think that's good advice. I mean, if somebody can make five bucks on a book, they know they can, but it takes them, you know, 30 minutes to position it, get it up, and another 15 minutes to package it and ship it out. Uh, that's pretty low wages. So we have to be realistic right. about that. Go to the things where you have multiples or where you have larger dollars involved to give you the margin. Uh, this question comes from Liz in Phoenix. She says, I'm creating an item to sell on my Amazon store but not sure what process I need to go through to get registered or a patent and uh, UPC codes. 
what are some of those issues that need to be addressed for an original item that somebody creates? Well, not necessarily a problem. Um, if it's if it's a product that you just created up front, I wouldn't worry about a patent. I wouldn't worry about registering. Um, to list on Amazon, you're going to need a UPC code, but they're readily available. There are, there are websites and popular places place to get them, eBay, um, where you can just buy UPC codes. Um, very cheap. So I, I would do that for sure. Um, but yeah, don't don't worry about registering it. Don't worry about a patent. Make sure that you can sell it. <laughs> get a develop some track record or be able to build a case that says that people will want to buy it before you take it any further. If you if you find that plenty of people want to buy them, well, that's great. Now you can move into some other steps. But I I wouldn't get bogged down on the technicalities up front before proven the concept. Yep. Okay. Yeah, good advice. And UPC code is just uniform product code. It's much like, well, it's a barcode that we're all familiar with. Um, books have ISBN numbers, which is their barcode, but for most other products, it's a UPC code. And not a big deal to do that, but I, I agree totally. You know, don't don't go too deep in the process. People are often concerned if they develop something that's original that somebody's going to take their idea. Um, we know how that works. You know, anybody can take your idea if they want to. If it's uh, something that you design very carefully, uh, somebody can make a simple modification on it and make it their own, even if you have that product patented in some way, because it's usually a design patent rather than a utility patent. So it doesn't give you the protections you might think anyway. But the real issue is, can you sell them? It's not protecting your idea. It's your ability to sell them. You make no money from protecting your idea. You make every single penny from knowing how to sell them. A anything you want to add to that before we move on? Well, that's very well put. <laughs> I completely okay. agree. All right. Cool. Well, let me get to a couple more questions here. And if you got a question, again, just shoot it in. We'll go through as many as we can. Melissa from Arlington says, can you give any advice on where to start? I'd like to start selling on Etsy, unique handmade items. I have an idea on doing something unique and sell it for three times more than it costs to fabricate. I've done a prototype, but am daunted by the thought of having to produce many of them. I can't figure out if this has stopped me, but feeling a little like a deer in the headlights and haven't been able to seem to pull the trigger because I keep having other ideas on what to sell. But then I end up at a standstill, standstill thinking of the many possibilities and me only being just one person with a full-time job but a heart's desire to be full-time self-employed. Boy, we could park on that one all night long. There's so many questions in that. So Melissa wouldn't like to be self-employed. She has an idea and a product where she can make it herself. But the thought of having to replicate it again and again and again is kind of daunting. Address some of the issues that Melissa is asking here, Ron. Sure. Well, making things one at a time on Etsy, Fantastic. You only need to make one. Downside, if, if you're only selling for three times more than the cost to fabricate, then you're really going to get into some issues with 
with how much time you can actually put into it, um, especially if you're building it up to be full time, but starting out with another full time job. Um, so I wouldn't let that stop me. I'd, I'd go ahead and, and make one or two or three, put them on Etsy, see if there's a market. And if there is, great, make some more. But also in the back of your mind, constantly be thinking of ways to uh, increase the selling price. Um, you know, are there inexpensive ways to make that a more valuable item? Are there ways, are there customizations that you can offer for an upcharge? So you, you have your basic item available, let's say it's $20, or for $10 more, you can customize it. Um, as long as that customization doesn't take a whole lot more time, that uh, might be an opportunity. Um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't let I wouldn't let having one idea stop me from trying to sell on Etsy. <laughs> let me put yeah, it here, here's the thing: if you have an item and you make it yourself, Melissa, and you sell it on Etsy and you make ten dollars, what you have done, the ten dollars may be insignificant, and it may be difficult to replicate that. Where if it takes you an hour to make one. Yeah, you're going to make minimum wage in trying to make that work. But what you can never take away is the learning process of knowing how to do that. Once you understand the mechanics of getting the product and getting it online, doing the product fulfillment and all of that, that's an education that most people never, never get. So you can then look at what are the other things you could plug in where you may have better margins, things where maybe you don't even – make them, you're just selling them. Keep in mind, the person who makes the money is not the person making the item. The person who makes the money is the person selling it. I can buy little widgets from China and pay 30 cents for them, where the person making them, you know, made eight cents. If I sell those for $10, you know, I'm the one that makes the money because I sell it. So we have to understand what you're doing to create a viable business is your ability to sell. Ryan, just like you, you haven't talked about anything that you make. You're finding items to resell. You're looking for the margin between, and that means you don't spend any time making items. You just find items that you know you can resell. I don't want to take away from the, the heart that many people who get on Etsy have. A lot of people who, who do art and crafty kind of things and knit and crochet and needlework and all those beautiful things. But it's hard to do that when you really have any accounting at all for the time that it requires to produce those. Now, here's another approach, though. I just thought of, so, thought of something that, that, that goes along with this pretty well. Uh, last right, month, I met a guy at a conference that – um, his, his wife made doll clothes and they, they were selling them on eBay. Um, and they realized that that was, that was completely linear. There was, there was no way to really scale that business. And so what they started doing is selling plans, which is just a, a PDF file, a download. And they started selling supplies for, people to make the doll clothes themselves. And so those are two other 
possible opportunities to go along with that product. That's exactly where I was going to go. Appreciate that bringing that up. Absolutely. This last weekend, we were at the Pumpkin Festival, an annual event here in Franklin, Tennessee. Beautiful event downtown. Main Street is just full of vendors. One of the places had these really cool birdhouses, you know, made out of just common products, but really cool the way that they had put them together. And, and I thought, man, the time that it takes to put one of those together, you know, I'd hate to be locked into that. But if you were doing that on Etsy as an example, and you showed it, just like Ryan is telling us here, you showed a birdhouse, you may be able to make a whole lot more money faster by having a simple set of plans as to how a dad and his son could go down to Home Depot on a Saturday morning, get the materials, and do one exactly like that themselves. So a lot of times the how-to is more valuable than actually doing the work yourself. And it's certainly another legitimate approach to this, where you don't get locked into just turning out, making again and again and again a product. The other thing is, you know, if you get a product and it does sell well, Getting somebody else to manufacture that is, is usually a pretty easy piece where you can get some kind of mass production. So even if your margin is small on the front end, if you find a really hot seller and know that you're going to be able to duplicate that over and over and over again, and you're talking, you think you could sell thousands of them, yeah, then let's find a, find somebody to make that. And you can find sources for doing that. You know, one thing I want to just touch on just a little bit here, and we're about to wrap up, and that's this idea of having an invention, something that you make that really is unique. You know, how do you go about getting that marketed? Do you need a patent? What kind of patent? How do you protect your idea? Do you need a trademark? I mean, there are a few good companies out there that can help you with that. Um, one of them is quirky.com, where they really do walk you through the process and, you know, they, they get they kind of crowdsource the whole idea, get input from other people, and they'll help you through the process of protecting, manufacturing, selling it, and you get a part of the, a part of the income. But there's a whole lot of companies out there that are really not reputable companies that try to show that they will help you in that process. And ultimately, all they do is, is bait us along and get our hard-earned dollars with nothing to show in return. Be careful of going down that path. Again, the real question here, the thing that makes you profitable is not protecting your idea, getting a patent and all of that. It's in being able to sell it. And even if an item at some point you decide that you need to get a patent, you can often do that down the road once you find out that there really is a market for it. So don't waste hard-earned dollars up front, spending a lot of money getting those things covered. Um, one, one of the things that we see a lot of times with people who come up with their own product is the real power is not in getting a patent, but in getting a trademark. So if you invent sunglasses for dogs, I mean, the power of that idea was not that it was that unique a product, but it was because the first couple who really did that successfully called that product doggles. Well, if you have a really cool name that identifies a product that becomes a part of the product, like Kleenex or Hula Hoop or Frisbee, you know, those, those are brand names, but they become identified as the product itself. If you have a name like that, then you'll get a trademark. But a trademark is not a big deal. You can go on the USPTO.gov site, the United States Patent and Trademark Office site, and for about $350, you can get a national trademark. And if it's something you really want to 
develop a little bit more, I'd advise to get an attorney to help you do that. It may cost $1,000 total. We've done lots of those over the years, just trademarks. So those are just to very quickly address some of the issues that some of you may be confronted with here, thinking about if you're developing products on your own. Now, let me jump over on the other side here, see what's going on in the in the chat room, see if anybody there has a question. Um, Ryan, anything else you want to share with us here? We're about to wrap up. Again, Ryan's got this resource sheet, R-A-U-N-W-E-B.com slash 48 days. That's a great looking sheet. And thanks for that. I'm going to pull that and save that as a resource. Now, you've got here, uh, if they want to be on your emailing list, what are they going to get if they're on your emailing list? Um, that is to be determined. Ah, I, I just me. set that okay. up. <laughs> I, I set that up just, I, I wanted to give people an opportunity. Um, and, and if there's no interest, that's fine with me. But I wanted to give people an opportunity um, to be able to connect with me, find some ideas on, on what's happening in, in the EU, Amazon, Etsy world. I'll, I'll just send out a quick note if, there, if there's something important happening. Send out a quick note. I don't anticipate that will be frequently. <laughs> um, but I just right. I wanted to be I wanted to put there you know some way that that we can connect. So, All right. So, so that's also there's a there's a link to my Facebook page on on that resource right below my picture. Um, go ahead. And Send a phone. <laughs> that, that's probably the easiest way to contact me <laughs> with me. So. All right. And yeah. then you have the group on 40days.net, earning on eBay, Amazon, and Etsy. You can find that group easily. There's about 200 people in there already. So jump in that group. Yep. And of course, that's an easy way to get access to you. Um, you're very responsive to the questions that are coming in there. You just recently addressed the issue about a fulfillment by Amazon, the FDA issue and how people can get plugged in there. I had somebody, I see Bob Fraser ask a question just yesterday about his daughter Gotta being get a back. single mom. Yes, she's a single mom, needs to make some money to support herself and her kids. And boom, people are already giving her feedback there how to do that. So just a lot of room for uh, robust information and, again, ways to get into this space of being self-employed, entrepreneur, making your own money, doing work that you love. So, Ryan, thanks again for your time tonight, for uh, offering mm -hmm. so freely your expertise. Any uh, final words for our people before we sign off? Just start. Ah, uh, great advice. Just start. Love it. All right. Well, we'll end with that. Again, let us know, those of you who are, who are obviously in the 48days.net community, and that's who we open this call up to. Thanks for being part of the call tonight. Keep us posted on your own successes. If you'd like to be a guest here, you know what it takes. Just do things that get our attention, just like we did tonight with Ryan. We'd be delighted to have you on as a guest for a future Tuesday night brainstorming session. So with that, we'll bring up a little YouTube music again to take us out with that. And with that, we'll end the call for tonight. Thanks for being part of the 48days.net community.